Welcome to the Vinyl Crawl, your podcast about vinyl records and craft beer. I'm your host, Alan Miller, joined by Matt Pfefferkorn. Hello. Hey, Matt. So we are on location where yep. we hope to do you know, quite a few of these from now on, maybe, at uh, Blue Holler Brew Supply. Yep. So Blue Holler, Blue, Blue Holler Brew Supply and Brewery now, maybe? And Brewery now, yeah. Because he's building a brewery yes. right next door to here. So. As we speak, he's brewing beer, his first batch. Yeah. yeah. Well, he actually did brew a special batch for us for Record Store Well, that's Day. true. He did, so that was yes. kind of nice of him. Yeah. But his yeah. first official. Here in, yeah. And the beer we're having here is the High Wire Bed of Nails Brown Ale. That's right. Which he has on tap along with about 17 other ones. Or maybe, mm-hmm. looks like he's down to maybe 15 right now, but there's... Anywhere up to 21 beers yeah. on tap at any given time. He's, I think he's getting ready for pint night tomorrow night. Right. So, yeah, loading it, it up. This is a fantastic place to come have a beer. really is. It's a... We've uh, been coming here for, what, a couple years, couple maybe? A couple years. Um, of course, we have our DJ night that we do once a month here. That's right. That we're yep. calling the Vinyl Crawl DJ night. Yep. Um, every, so it, every third Wednesday. Every third Wednesday, yeah. If you're in the area. Barring a... Uh, you know, a Western basketball game or something true. like that, Western Kentucky basketball game. Because <laughs> those nights are usually kind of slow, so yeah, we're that's not, true. not a lot of DJing on those yeah, nights. But right. the, uh, the beer we're having is the High Wire Bed of Nails Brown Ale out of Asheville, North Carolina. What I'm going to go ahead and let Chris talk a little bit about it, because yeah. I think you talked to Chris earlier about the beer. Yep, we've got them here. Okay, so we've got a tasty beverage here that we're trying. And uh, we have Chris from Blue Holler with us. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm awesome. All right. Well, of course, we have tasty beverages in our hand. And let's talk about this. Tell us what we are sampling from your establishment here at Blue Holler. This is the High Wire Bed of Nails. It's a, it's a good standard straight line brown ale. The, the brew is out of uh, Asheville, North Carolina. I think everybody's pr- familiar with that if they're in the beer world at all. Yeah. It's, it's uh, the beer mecca, if you... If you want to go someplace where you can hit 20, it is, isn't it? 25 craft breweries in about a 15-minute walk. Uh, the beer itself has got a really good SRM color to it. Nice dark brown, wonderful uh, caramel notes into it. Good, thick, rich uh, tan head on it for a brown ale. That's that's pretty nice because most of them aren't that, aren't that good yeah, and heavy. Not too nutty either, Right. which I, I enjoy. I like the good caramel taste in it. I'm not going to lie, I enjoy most beers that I've had, but this one is, as far as brown ales go, it's right there where it should be. Yeah. Most of them, they don't try to go too far above the above the bar, and they don't, mm-hmm. and they still make a good standard beer. So it's 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 a, it's a B-plus, A-minus beer for me. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. While we got you here, uh, tell us about Blue Holler and what you do here All in right. a nutshell. So uh, Blue Holler Brew Supplies, we have everything you need to make beer, wine, ciders at home, classes. Uh, if you just need to come in and ask questions, we got people here to talk to about that. Uh, we also carry 20 craft beers on tap. So every Friday night, we've got a pint night with food trucks Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And the most important and newest addition to the brewer, to the Blue Holler Brew Supplies is the Blue Holler Brewery. That's right. We've now got a four barrel batch. We can start making twice a week. And uh, actually, right now, we're in the middle of our very first brew ever. So 
Excellent. That is exciting. Also, uh, Blue Holler is home of the Vinyl Crawl every third Wednesday. <laughs> this is true. This is our one-year anniversary That's of doing right. that. Coming so out. we got uh, some special giveaways, door prizes, and things of that nature. Uh, no purchase necessary. <laughs> Never. <laughs> yeah. That's coming up uh, Wednesday, June 20th. Myself and Alan will be DJing here and looking forward to it. Thanks, Chris. Cheers. Cheers. But what's your what's your thoughts on on the beer? You know, I liked it more than I thought I would. Well, that I mean, that's I, a pretty fair assessment. I, I'm, I'm going into it. You know, I have I used to drink a lot of brown ale, and then somewhere was it like a college thing? Like, did you drink probably, it a lot of college? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, back when Newcastle was good. When Newcastle <laughs> was like the new hip thing. Here. Right. Because we didn't always have Newcastle. It, it, we didn't always have. And it was a really nice, smooth brown ale. And then I found there were better ones out there. And then IPAs came along. And My trouble with the brown ale is when you're in college and you try to drink a lot of them, you normally get sick pretty quick. <laughs> like it's not it's not one you can slam like a no. bush light or a keystone. Um you know, you, you can't. You just can't slam too many brown ales together no. before your stomach just rejects you all Keystone. Of it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, and we're talking college, right. Yeah. right? Natty, Natty Light. Does that is that better? Is that oh man, Heck Milwaukee's yeah. best. No, can't do it. We should have a Milwaukee's best podcast. Like we should have oh, a. Shit. We should have one on here. Yeah. If we can find uh, maybe a David Allen Coe <laughs> record or something, something along those lines, Hank Williams Jr. <laughs> Uh, you know, I've got a copy of Rowdy on vinyl. We could always do that and have yeah. a Bush Light or a Milwaukee or something like Head that. Head for the mountains. You're exactly right. Head for the mountains. But Pack they do not guns. have, unfortunately, they have none of those on tap here. No. This is For, a, did you say fortunately or <laughs> unfortunately? I mean, you know. But this is a uh, this is a pretty pretty nice establishment. They it have is. good beers from Founders, Stone, uh, Sweetwater, Schlafly, pretty much. Ron Geist, the whole And I just West saw where Six. they even had like Weinstoffner, which is the German Heffy beer. Mm-hmm. So they have a little bit of everything on, yeah. on tap. And one of our personal favorites, Cider Boys. Cider Boys, Mimosa. Yeah, that's always here. And it's close to the store, which is nice. Yeah, it's literally <laughs> it is, it is two our, minutes from the store. It is our neighborhood bar, and, and uh, Chris does a good job here. We appreciate him. It would be so much fun if we could like have nights at the store where you could come browse vinyl and get these kind of beers on tap it would be would be it would be unreal it would be unreal <laughs> sales might go up <laughs> they may or down <laughs> not down, sure yeah. so the uh, so we've talked a little bit about the beer now the the album we're talking about is one of my absolute favorite records of all time i you probably don't go down that road with me i don't know if it's one of your like all-timers but it's not an all-time favorite you know, but you like it. I like it a it's, lot. It's one that we both really yeah. enjoy. There are a few of these songs that wind up that, well, they did wind up on mixtapes back in the day. Mm. So this is Richard and Linda Thompson's Shoot Out the Lights from 1982. Uh, the last Richard and Linda Thompson record yeah. in their, you know, varied career of good and bad. Mm-hmm. True. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't great the whole time, but no. for the most part, most of their albums were pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, there's a couple that are a little hit and miss, like Hokey Pokey's a little yeah. hit and miss. But um, so the the history of, of Richard and Linda Thompson is kind of a um, it's English folk music. 
Uh, Richard started out in Fairport Convention. Um, when when the uh, the girl I can't remember Sandy, Sandy Denny, Sandy Denny, yeah, uh, she died I think in a car wreck, mm-hmm. and then a little bit after that Richard left Fairport, and kind of struck out on his own as a solo act, um, which he's a bit you know he was super young with Fairport to yeah. begin with, they were all a little bit older than him, uh, and Fairport is super folky. Richard's stuff is a little more um, folk mixed with you know, blues and, and pop music. Um, but if, if you want to get to the beginning of, of Richard Thompson, Fairport's the good way to, sh- to start. Listen to some of that sort of thing. Um, so he meets Linda, and I can't think of what her, her actual name was, but uh, yeah. he meets her towards the end of, of Fairport. They get together. They start making albums together as a duo, as mm-hmm. Richard and Linda Thompson. Because Richard had tried a solo record on his own, Henry the Human Fly. Oh, yeah. And it sold terribly. <laughs> It just did not sell very well at all. No. In hindsight, I think it's a great record, but at the time, it didn't sell very no. well. So they uh, they get together and start making music and get married. Um, yeah. And they have their uh, breakout hit with I Want to See the Bright Lights Tonight, that record in 74, I believe. Yeah. Um, which is another classic. Great album. Record. Great album. It's a little folkier than this one, than Shoot Out the Lights. Shoot Out the Lights is 82 so we're talking about like almost 10 years between those yeah. two albums yeah it's definitely um, folk americana-ish too yeah in sorts yeah for sure um even though it's an english record it still just feels like an americana record yeah. in a way yeah um so they have this long career through the 70s with some ups and downs they put out an album in 79 called sunnyvale that flops like crazy um so they're trying to get a rebound to get you know, some cash flow going again. So they tour with Jerry Rafferty, the famous Jerry Rafferty of Baker Street right. and right down the line. Right down the line. That's um, right. Famous 70s yacht rockish kind yeah. of guy. Um, yep. Really good musician, really talented. He was in another band before he went solo, too. Oh, I can't he was. Who they were. Yeah. Shoot. It's not super pertinent to the podcast. No. But anyhow, he's like, he's a figure yeah. that's well known as being. Um, a really strong musician and producer. Yeah. Uh, his albums are a lot like Steely Dan records where everything is meticulously Perfect. produced. Yeah. Um, and he's super into that. They do sound, they sound really good. They do. Yeah. You know, the one with Baker Street and I can't, uh, City City to City? Yeah. That's a great sounding record. It is a great sounding it's, record. It's probably one of the best sounding records of the 70s, I would have to guess. And you can find it for yeah. like two bucks at any record store. <laughs> exactly. Because there's a million copies. Yeah. So they they meet up with Jerry Rafferty in the late 70s and start touring with him a little bit. And they all get along great. They're, you know, Jerry's touring probably on City to City. Um, yeah. Maybe it could have been one of his later ones as well. There was that one about the cat or something. The Night cat. Owl. Night Owl, that's mm-hmm. it, yeah. So he could have been touring on Night Owl. Either way, they tour together. They get along great. Richard's been writing these tunes. Um, he decides, hey... Jerry likes these tunes I'm writing. I'm going to let him record our stuff. So they go into the studio with Jerry, and it's just a fucking nightmare. Like, it is the worst experience. Uh, because, you know, Richard's not super uh, meticulous about his songs, but he just hated every mix that Jerry Rafferty was making. He didn't like how polished it was. He didn't like how it sounded. Linda was getting fed up at it, like, and also, Richard and Linda were having marital strife yeah, at the time. So there was too, like... To the mix. There was a whole basket of things going on. And where 
this album in a way could be seen like rumors, like Fleetwood Mac's rumors, where True. you get yeah. a fantastic record outside of tons of marital strife. Um, yeah. Because they were just not getting along. They were going through the motions of touring and playing together, but they were not getting along. So um, there's actually a couple of like great quotes from Linda um, <laughs> about um, about how she discussed their career and making this record. One of the best quotes is, even in the best days of our marriage, Richard and I didn't communicate with each other fabulously well. I think the reason the music was good that we tended to save it for work. So basically, they talk to each other through their songs, yeah. very yep. much like rumors. True, you know, kind of yeah. like go your own way, how right. the having the conversation. Um, so, so Rafferty records the record. Linda's getting pissed that Richard hates everything. She's okay with it, but Richard hates it. So they make the record and they scrap it. They just go, you know, fuck it, we're not going to do it. And <laughs> Jerry, they have no label. <laughs> they have no label. Jerry's out all this money he spent to make this record. Um, so they find this producer, Joe Boyd, um, who was, a, I think, a friend of the Thompsons. And he's like, you know, if you can come up with 300 grand or, 50, or 100 grand or whatever it was, I can make you a record. We'll, yeah. we'll go cut it. We'll, we'll do it. No problem. Done deal. So they get, the, they get the money. They go in the studio and they cut it. And that's what we have. That's yeah. what we're listening to. We, nobody ever hears the Rafferty cut. <laughs> right. there are, uh, there's bootlegs out there. Um, I was trying to think of what the name of them were. I think we um, Rafferty lost thirty thousand pounds on the project, by the way. So the two bootlegs are Rafferty's Folly and Before Joe Could Pull the Trigger, like talking about Joe Boyd and yeah. pulling the trigger to record them. So if you want to seek out the early cuts of this record, that's uh, that's a way to do it. I haven't actually listened to them yet, and I know you haven't either. No, it would be interesting. Yeah, um, it's it's on my list, but I just haven't been yeah. able to find a copy yet to listen to. No. It. I'm really curious about it. I'm sure it sounds fine. It was probably just Richard being really like specific about what he wanted to hear. True. He probably just got tired of multiple takes. Yeah. Well, I know he's not a fan of this of the uh recording quality of this album either. He says the drums sound terrible. Uh he says that he I think he likes the guitar okay, but everything just sounds really cheap to him on this record. Yeah. I don't really hear it. I, I think for an 80s album, it sounds an, pretty exactly good. Exactly, for an 80s album. Yeah, you, you have to put everything into perspective. And in the 80s, records didn't sound that great. No. They went, no. They went so digital with everything. Nothing sounds all that great. Um, so, anyhow, they record this album, Joe Boyd. Um, oh, who, who they... He met with Fairport Convention. So that's how they knew him. Yeah. He's, he's from back in the day. Um Three days of sessions is all it took to record yeah. this record, which is pretty impressive. Um, well, the songs were w well rehearsed at that point. <laughs> right. And, <laughs> and it, you know, we talked about this a little bit. And it's only eight tunes. Yeah, it's only eight tunes. Me and you both talked about this a little bit because you said it was like a, you know, hide the razors kind of album where it's really dark and kind of depressing in a way. You can hear the tension a little bit and it's, here and there. It's the breakup of a marriage, which yeah. makes it kind of depressing. Right. It's in, unfolding in front of us. Yeah. And instead of the, you know, the uplifting stuff of like rumors where you have go your own way that has this nice uplifting beat to it, you get more of like shoot out the lights. <laughs> That's a <laughs> super, super dark, <laughs> slow, dirgy song, which is a... It's a characteristic of Richard Thompson. His music is really dark. He's never Always shied away. Yeah. Uh, even with Fairport, he had a song that was really big called um, 
it was like walking on the ledge or something mm-hmm. on the ledge. Meet me at the ledge. Yeah. That's it. That was super dark about suicide and stuff. So all of his music has always been very dark. So this just gave him all the material he needed to like dig in. Walking on a wire. Walking on a wire. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. It, Walking on a wire. The chorus is walking on a wire and I'm and falling. I'm falling. <laughs> <laughs> there is literally no hope to that song Which whatsoever. I will say a little side note on that tune. Uh, will Kimbrough does a killer version of that song, if you've ever heard it. I haven't. I think it was on the the Biscuits CD. Hmm. Which would be the band, the Biscuits or the Biscuits, is how it's, I guess, pronounced. I don't know. I realized he was in that band. Yeah. Huh. So, interesting. If you're a fan of that tune, look it up because he does a great version of it. Yeah, that's and you know Linda kind of she had some more quotes about the album that kind of agreed with that sort of thing where she said the common denominator on that record is utter misery. <laughs> She said it was kind of a subliminal thing, but that was definitely it. I think we were both miserable and didn't quite know how to get it out. I think that's why the album is so good. We couldn't talk to each other, so we just did it on the record. How did she really feel? Well, you know, I have watched some documentaries and some footage of where Linda and Richard were touring. I think it was maybe right before this record came out. She got into a really bad cocaine addiction. Uh, and started getting like drunk and stuff on stage and yeah. like berating the whole band and just oh, going wow. off. But it's also some of their best shows. Yeah. Well. So that's that's the thing is like they put out really good music and shows, but they were just completely falling yeah. apart in the in, <laughs> behind the scenes. Um, and also like Richard's Richard's take on the album is uh, he says that part of its appeal is maybe the couple split. He said, I think it may have helped sales. It's a great promotional ploy. I recommend it, <laughs> is what he said. <laughs> Which is typical, like, you know, stiff, yeah. stuffy British response to that. I don't know. Did it sell really well, though? It did sell okay. It, it really did. It didn't sell too bad at all. Um, you know, f- their records never traditionally sold super well in the USA. They sold no. better in the UK than they did in the yeah, USA. Yeah, true. Um, Richard has always been that cult following um, person and he kind of was adopted by the Americana very much family so. very um, much so because I think it was a couple years ago he was at the Americana Awards and right and got the award for you know best songwriter of the oh, what was it it was it's they give it at the Americana Awards for a legendary songwriter but he got awarded that well even you know even this year with the jason isbel tour he opened for oh yeah quite a few, true he opened true. for maybe five or six isbel shows yeah um which was you know isbel said to his credit on twitter like it's you know it's insane that i'm actually getting to tour with richard thompson yeah. because you know it's like a dream come true to be He's able to do that he's a great guitar thing. player the only thing that oh a fantastic guitar player yeah. the only thing that i found a bit unfortunate was that amanda shires didn't go with them where she could actually sing some linda thompson mm. tours with or some yeah. linda thompson songs with richard yeah cuz i think that would have been just incredible yeah. but she wasn't able to tour with them on it so that was unfortunate because I think everybody was kind of looking forward oh, to wow. hearing some that would yeah you know some I want to see the bright lights tonight or something yeah. like that, um, but yeah so as far as a guitar player he's 
he's one of the greatest. Mm-hmm. He's also one of the best known um, Telecaster players. You know, there's yeah. a few of those guys like um, like Danny Gatton and um, later in his years, Pete Townsend kind of got known for a Telecaster. He liked to play it a lot. Um, I was trying to think of who the other uh, Roy Buchanan. Those yeah, guys are all true, of the Roy, big, yeah. like uh, all the big Telecaster guys. There's not a ton of them. No, because most guys either grab a Strat or a Les Paul. Yeah, but that's uh, inter- interesting that you mentioned Danny Gatton. Yeah, I mean, there's a a player that kind of gets overlooked. Well, and you, he'd be left this is too early. Suicide yeah. that you yeah. know that happened because he couldn't get any kind of recognition right. for how great he was. Um, but the Telecasters normally suited more for like blues and country mm-hmm. thompson's like a whole different bag That's a whole, he's yeah. um he plays in his own style that is a amalgamation of blues with rock with folk mm-hmm. and with strong irish and scottish folk elements to it yeah you know there's there's the really famous song calvary cross that was on oh yeah i want to see the bright lights yep. tonight there's like an 18 minute version live that's live where he just solos forever and ever that is incredible um and he does some of that on this this album as well i think um you know the really good guitar songs to me is like don't renege on our love yeah which is such a good opener right i mean it it it, comes with that shuffle beat yeah it just comes out the gate kind of sets the tone um and there's a there's some great guitar, very like country picking guitar. On yeah, that there one. is a little, um, almost like a Buck Owens kind of thing, like yeah. where it's that shuffle beat. Deal. Right. Um, walking on a wire. Of course, it has that yeah. like piercing guitar solo that just you know closes the whole song out, which was a highlight of their live shows. Um, and I think that's one of your favorite tunes, right? Walking on a wire. I like that. That was the first song that introduced me to this album. Okay. Actually. That makes yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Um there's also Backstreet Slide, which is a fun mm-hmm. tune that um you know, I've read a little bit where some people said it had some of the Zeppelin influence to it, uh some of Jimmy Page's like folkier guitar phrasing. Yeah. Um it's a very like Irish jig sounding song, but with just really heavy guitar. Um I like that one a lot. Um Really, probably my favorite track on there is either either Walking on a Wire or Shoot Out the Lights. I like Shoot Out the Lights a lot. Shoot That's out, another good guitar. You know, Shoot you Out know. the Lights is like Link Ray. Yeah. It's like Rumble. Yeah. It really sounds a lot like that when he when he kicks it off. And the way that he sings it, it's so slow. It's very spooky. Like, mm-hmm. it's a dark, dark tune, you know? Yeah, that's true. It kind of matches the album cover. I mean, when you pick up the album cover and look at I it, I love the album cover. Like, you're like you know, he's, what the hell is he's going sitting on in the here? corner of a room with wallpaper just falling down, with a picture of Linda up in the corner, right. and he's just like laughing. Soon to be his ex-wife, you know. I mean, it's a pretty fantastic yeah. cover. Yeah, and even on the back, there's still just the picture of Linda and then him walking away, and that single light bulb hanging down. Yeah, it's. <laughs> It's dark, man. It's dark for a folk record. Mm-hmm. It's really dark. Um, and then there's songs on there like Did She Jump or Was She Pushed? <laughs> Which kind of get into the whole um, the whole thing of how they do that. Yeah. Um, well, it ends on a positive note, at least. The Wall of Death. Wall of Death. <laughs> well, you know, I do think it's a great end to the album, though. 
Um, Because it starts with the upbeat, don't renege on our love, and it ends with an upbeat wall of death. Right. Which sounds worse than it actually is because it's just about a ride in an amusement yeah. park. Yeah. So it sounds it sounds worse than it actually is. I think it's just an amusement park ride. Of course, it's probably a metaphor for, for yeah. the marriage. Yeah, yeah, for the marriage. Um, but man, what a way to end <laughs> it, right? There's no other way, probably, no, I mean, at that point, you know. And there's a lot of parallels between, you know, this record and Rumors, I think, with how they treat the relationships. Like, they sing to each other in these songs yeah. rather than actually talking to yep. each other. Yeah, I never really thought about the Rumors parallel, yeah. but that that's pretty spot on. Yeah, it's it's a it's a fantastic record. Now we now I looked it up online and Rolling Stone did a top one hundred albums of the eighties. And they put this record at number nine. So it cracked the top ten. That's pretty strong. what would you ever put it in a top ten of the albums of the eighties? I don't know. I'd have to go back and think about that. Cause I I don't know. Well, I mean, I can see... There's a lot see, of albums in the 80s. There were a lot of albums, and a lot of bad albums in the 80s, a to be honest. A lot of bad albums. Uh, some really good, but a lot of bad. Um, I would say that I can see how it would make the top 10. Yeah. Because I think as far as artistic statements in the 80s, this is a pretty big artistic statement. Like, this is, this is them saying, it's over, here's some awesome songs about it, and it's not going to sound like anything else you hear. Right. You know. Yeah. Because there, there are no albums that sound like this in the 80s. The closest I would think about with guitar playing to sound like this would maybe be some of the big country stuff with how he did his guitar playing. Yeah. Um, Stuart. Hmm. Uh, was it McDonald? Was that his name? Stuart McDonald? Guitar player for big country? He's the one that died in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. He was in skids and then yeah. big country. But he kind of did that similar like bagpipe Scottish, Irish playing style right with his solos yeah and that was very different for the 80s mm-hmm. like there wasn't many bands True. doing that no but as far as a as far as an album like this i don't know of any other albums that sounded like this well that was the cool thing about the 80s i mean there everybody was trying something different and there were plenty of breakout albums that jesus and mary chain yeah when they came out there was nothing like that yeah like some bastardized garage rock right. is what they sounded yeah. like it wasn't like nothing else yeah um the clash hit with london calling and yeah was that were, 80s i think it was right at it's like 79 or something 79 80 so yeah. right in there interesting and then rem you had an rem sound that right and they was not they were on that list as well of the 100 mm-hmm. albums they were like number eight or something with murmur which was kind of interesting. Yeah, I'd have to go back and think because I really liked Reckoning a lot. Reckoning's the one I always hear when yeah. talk about them. I'm, I'm not sure what songs are even on Murmur. I'm not sure which ones were the big ones on there. Yeah, I get that mixed up with Fables. Yeah. I mean, there's Driver 8, Fall on Me, but I don't know if that's Murmur or, yeah, I mean, or Fables. Yeah, and that's a, that's a big record too. And I can see how that would make you know the top of the list for sure. Oh, sure. Um, but you know, you could even, honestly, and this might be a little weird, but you could put, I wouldn't put them top 10, but you could put the Grateful Dead's, um, let's see, I'm going to touch a gray. What's the name of that record? Oh, In the Dark. In the Dark. 
you know, it might break top 25. Yeah. It was a big record. It was a big record. And, and, and a, that was in the time of hair metal, too, which exactly. was funny. Which, that, that's the thing about the 80s, is you never knew what was going to come yeah. at you at any given time. Right. Like, it was very strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was Miami Vice. It was hair metal. It was MTV. Yeah, there was just no way it to was, really know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm fine with having this in top 10. I think it's... I think it's a pretty landmark album. Um, yeah, I would. The agree only with thing that. that would maybe tell me that, like, maybe not top ten, is the fact it's only got eight songs. It's it's you know it, you can listen to it in one sitting very easily. You know, though, this is a great example of less is more. Yeah, that's true. Honestly, you know, because and that was what sort of killed music for a while in the '90s into the 2000s. It's like, oh, we have to put. 13, 60 14, minutes, yeah. 65 minutes on the CD, and you end up getting a lot of filler. You know, some of the best albums are 30 minutes That's or 35 true. minutes. Van true. Halen 1 is like 29 minutes. Dark Side of the Moon's only like 30 minutes, 31 minutes. Perfect. Yeah, and well, and that's the other thing with vinyl. That's one of the great things about vinyl is you can only put so much on there without degrading right. your sound. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so... You you recommend everybody having a copy of this record? Absolutely, you got to check it out. Yeah, if you have for it. sure, and it can usually be had for you know used maybe five to ten bucks, twelve bucks. Yeah, and honestly, if you're still into CDs, uh, Ryko did an incredible job in doing the remaster of it and adding bonus tracks. Right. So there's yeah, the that, Ryko disc version out there too. There's actually. Um, it's kind of funny. He didn't want to put Walking on a Wire on the album. There was a different track he wanted yeah. to put on there instead, which would have been a huge mistake. Huge mistake. Absolutely huge mistake. Um, I can't remember the other name, but he uses it as a B-side for something, and it's on that disc. So, Living in Luxury? Yep, that's the one. Yeah. I don't understand why he didn't want to. I can't figure that one out. But anyhow, that's been the Vinyl Crawl. Yeah. So cheers, Matt. Cheers. And a good one. Yeah.